Hello and welcome to Leftist Reading, a podcast where I'm a leftist and I read things. Today, having wrapped up The Conquest of Bread, I'm starting a few follow-up readings about anarchy. I've tried to get for ones that are a little bit more modern, and there's not many more modern than this week. I will give a content warning for this being an essay about the coronavirus, so if you don't want to hear about that, feel free to just leave the podcast at this point. It's not a particularly doom and gloom essay, it's actually highlighting the ways in which anarchy would improve the situation, but if you just don't want to hear about it, that would be fair enough. So I'll get started, get into the essay, and then I can speak a little bit more about it after the fact and why I picked it. One note I will say up top is it's more informal, more like a blog, than the more academic stuff we've been reading from before. We have read callouts multiple times, Lennon would basically call people out, but this is even more direct than just informal loose language, just to be clear about the tone of it. Anarchy and the Coronavirus by Ian McKay I thought I would discuss the current coronavirus crisis, and how an anarchist society would deal with it. This will be speculative, but hopefully convincing as far as any discussion of a future society can be, although I do end with a few demands that should be raised now. I should note that, for those looking for something to read when self-isolating, the Anarchist FAQ, AFAQ appendix on the Kronstadt Revolt of 1921 has just been revised. Lots to read there. I should note that I've not proofread this as much as I tend to do, so be prepared for more typos than usual. Before starting, I should mention that a leading British primitivist was once asked what would happen about epidemics in his ideal world. He replied, there would not be any, because the tribes would be so small and isolated that any which did catch such a disease would be dead long before the possibility of meeting other humans and infecting them would have arisen. This was given as a serious answer. But this idiot also said that he would prefer mass starvation than mass society, which he later denied saying in an exchange of letters with me, one of the many people to whom he said it to at a public meeting, in the pages of Anarchy, A-J-O-D-A. Hopefully, I am right in thinking primitivism has more or less disappeared from the movement. It was never big in the first place, but it was loud for a time particularly and ironically on the internet, and had to be addressed, and given its obvious problems, it could not really stand the exposure. With that example of how not to address a serious issue and the concerns it generates in the general public, i.e. people we want to become anarchists, out of the way, I now turn to some general points on anarchy and the coronavirus. There may be a tendency for some anarchists, as with crime, to simply say that a free society would not have any. This, as with crime, is not very convincing, and, for example, Kropotkin did not suggest that. He argued, like others, that crime, i.e. anti-social behaviour, would be vastly reduced in a decent society, and any which remained would be dealt with humanely, as an illness would be. The AFAQ section on crime echoes this, by not suggesting that everyone will be perfect all the time. The same here, for a free society would be one based on workers' control, and so it is unlikely that it would be lacking in safe and hygienic working conditions. 
it would not have the same pressures from bosses to cut corners to maximize profits. And in non-mutualist anarchies, there would be no market pressures to do likewise. It would not see the hollowing out of society neoliberalism has produced, so it would be lacking people with insecure jobs who have to drag themselves into work because they have bills to pay, but by so doing, they spread the virus. It would not have obscenities like this. Quote, Virgin founder Richard Branson has a net worth of four billion pounds. The cost of paying the eight and a half thousand workers has been estimated at 34 million pounds over eight weeks. End quote. I must also note that the key workers being mentioned do not include highly paid bankers, CEOs, politicians, and such like. They could all self-isolate, and we would somehow manage. Also, without the profit machine, we would not have the extra worry of an economic collapse due to firms going under due to lack of income as customers choose to stay indoors, or because workers are self-isolating, and so not coming into work, and so not being paid. More, an anarchist society would not suffer from the irrationalities of the stock market, and the impact of financial crisis on the real economy, in spite of nothing changing in terms of workplaces, workers, etc., as millions are lost there. Or the short-termism of the market economy. There would be no concern about workplaces having enough custom to survive. Economic activity, the provision of goods and services, would decrease in an anarchy affected by an epidemic, as people get ill and self-isolate. But this would not have the devastating effects they have under capitalism as firms would not be going bust, workers would not be made redundant and then evicted because they cannot pay their rent, etc. The same comments made about economic crises and the extra uncertainty markets create made in AFAQ are applicable here. Likewise, the centralized industrial food creating, as described in Fast Food Nation by Eric Schlosser, would not exist, and so the vast, and potentially fragile, chains would not be rare, i.e. limited to those which need it rather than driven into all areas by profit and market power considerations. Likewise, resources would be available as many of the wasteful things created today, the arms industry, armies, nuclear weapons, etc., would not exist. Resources would be utilized for real social and individual needs like decent health. So the social and economic context would be better. We would not have a compliant media interested in bolstering private power and its minions. So information would not be spread based on how best to make Trump or Johnson look good. Nor would it be concerned about the authorities using the crisis to their own ends, as there would be no authorities. The difference between being an authority and having authority mentioned in AFAQ is very clear now with numpties like Trump and Johnson in office. All this would be the case, I am sure, but the very nature of life is that we cannot predict the future, and even the most unlikely events can occur. So how would an anarchy deal with a crisis like this? The most obvious thing to note is that a free society would still have scientific experts, and their federations, as well as emergency and health services, and their federations. And as these would be volunteer associations, many more people undoubtedly would have taken part in them compared to our society, which is marked by extreme division of labor. 
so there would be a social and economic infrastructure in place, including federations of communities and productive associations, along with health, science, and emergency ones, which will make decisions and plans. These would not have to deal with needless hierarchies and the fragile egos of those in charge, as is now the case. Malatesta put it well in Anarchy, quote, But let us even suppose that the government were not in any case a privileged class, and could survive without creating around itself a new privileged class, and remain the representative, the servant, as it were, of the whole of society. And what useful purpose could this possibly serve? How and in what way would this increase the strength, the intelligence, the spirit of solidarity, the concern for the well-being of all and of future generations, which at any given time happen to exist in a given society? What can government itself add to the moral and material forces that exist in society? And so the rulers can only make use of the forces that exist in society, except for those great forces which governmental action paralyzes and destroys, and those rebel forces, and all that is wasted through conflicts, inevitably tremendous losses in such an artificial system. If they contribute something of their own, they can only do so as men and not as rulers. And of those material and moral forces which remain at the disposal of the government, only a minute part is allowed to play a useful role for society. The rest is either used up in repressive actions to keep the rebel forces in check, or is otherwise diverted from its ends of the general good and used to benefit a few at the expense of the majority of the people. Social action, therefore, is neither the negation nor the complement of individual initiative but is the resultant of initiatives, thoughts, and actions of all individuals who make up society. A resultant which, all other things being equal, is greater or smaller, depending on whether individual forces are directed to a common objective or are divided antagonistic. And if, instead, as do the authoritarians, one means government action when one talks of social action, then this is still the resultant of individual forces, but only of those individuals who form the government, or who, by reason of their position, can influence the policy of the government. Even if we pursue our hypothesis of the ideal government of the authoritarian socialists, it follows from what we have said, that far from resulting in an increase in the productive, organizing, and protective forces in society, it would greatly reduce them, limiting initiative to a few, and giving them the right to do everything without, of course, being able to provide them with the gift of being all-knowing. End quote. I must note that Malatesta went back to Naples in 1884, while released pending appeal of a three-year prison sentence, to help during a cholera epidemic, for he was introduced to Mazzanian republicanism while studying medicine at the University of Naples. He was expelled from the university in 1871 for joining a demonstration, and as a result of his enthusiasm for the Paris Commune, defended by Bakunin against Mazzini. He joined the Naples section of the International Workingmen's Association that same year. I would recommend the excellent Errico Malatesta, His Life and Ideas, for more on his ideas and remarkable life. He is my favorite dead anarchist. So, an anarchist society would be able to draw upon all the initiative and forces within a society which is channeled and often lost in hierarchical structures like the state and private companies. Likewise, we would not have capitalists seeking to profit from the situation, 
so we would have the initiative of free people without it skewing towards bolstering narrow private interests. Needless to say, seeking to stop an epidemic would be in everyone's wider private interests. For example, transport workers would undoubtedly decide to limit activities to the minimum needed, rather than transport companies worrying about their profits. In short, just because the state monopolizes certain useful activities, it does not mean that an anarchist society will not provide them. Kropotkin put it well, quote, Developed in the course of history to establish and maintain the ruling class, what means can the state provide to abolish this monopoly that the working class could not find in its own strength and groups? What advantages could the state provide for abolishing these same privileges? Could its governmental machine, developed for the creation and upholding of these privileges, now be used to abolish them? Would not the new function require new organs? And these new organs, would they not have to be created by the workers themselves, in their unions, their federations, completely outside the state? Independent communes for the territorial groupings and vast federations of trade unions for groupings by social functions, the two interwoven and providing support to each to meet the needs of society, groupings by personal affinities, infinitely varied, long-lasting or fleeting, emerging according to the needs of the moment, for all possible purposes. These three kinds of groupings, covering each other like a network, would thus allow the satisfaction of all social needs. Consumption, production and exchange, communications, sanitary arrangements, education, mutual protection against aggression, mutual aid, territorial defense. Unnecessary for maintaining the economic life of society, it would likewise be unnecessary for preventing most antisocial acts. Footnote 1. This network of associations, based on community, economic and scientific interests, would exist without the bureaucrats, politicians, and capitalists, and would be the basis for a response to such a crisis in a free city. Nor would we have a society in which education is skewed to enrich some and marginalize the many, and so we would have an educated and well-informed population who have a better grasp of science, so everyone would combine brain work and manual work. So a free society would have a better educated and more informed population, would help ensure the science is understood and followed, calls for a lockdown would be more easily agreed and believed. In short, an anarchy would have a social organization, which would not have the shackles of authority placed upon it. Whether that authority is economic, capital, or political, state. While the state is one form of social organization, it is not the only kind, and as can be seen from the response to this crisis, its hierarchical and centralized nature can stop the information and initiative needed to respond quickly to issues. Indeed, the notion that state socialism with its centralized planning could handle a crisis like this is an optimistic claim. Given that the virus was unexpected, the planning machinery, bureaucracy, would have to adjust to it and rip up all its decisions and continually start again. Assuming its personnel are not affected by the virus, along with those commanded to implement the changes. Only a federal system rooted in autonomy and initiative from below would be able to change the complexities of this challenge, or indeed, a complex modern society in normal times. Does this discussion of crisis management in an anarchist society seem a bit vague? 
Of course it is, as who am I to lay down how a free society should operate? All anarchists today can do is sketch the outlines and apply our principles in the organizations and struggles we take part in. We are all shaped by the hierarchies we are born into, and it is only by fighting against them are we able to free ourselves from them, both physically and mentally. Only the struggle for freedom will make people able to live freely. Faced with a crisis like this, I am sure that a free people and their associations and federations will manage, and do so far better than waiting for a few politicians or bosses to act for them. We should, though, be raising demands, for we can't be sure any governmental action will be to primarily put money into the hands of capitalists, corporations, and companies. Obvious ones which raise libertarian, communist ideas are free healthcare responses, free testing, treatment, etc., if not already the case, as in the UK. As for America, remember that if there is money for war, space force, then there is money for health. Guaranteed income for those called upon to self-isolate or are ill. Decent sick pay for all. Denmark seems to be going down this path. Suspend all rent, mortgages, loans, etc. payments. We should not have to worry about that at any time, but now more than ever. Involve workers and unions in the response. Politicians and bosses can do us all a favor and self-isolate now. Any firms which are bailed out by public money should be owned by the public and turned into cooperatives. Or, better, the workers should just seize them and run them if they are needed by the community. Squatting should be decriminalized. How can you self-isolate at home if you don't have one? So homeless people should squat empty buildings. Or hotels. I'm sure there are more. People on the ground will see needs and opportunities better than I or anyone else can, and definitely more than anyone at the top of a distant hierarchy, with no links to or interest in the masses they claim to represent. We must also be aware that, as in any crisis, the ruling class will seek to utilize it for their own ends. Bailouts for the few and not the many, augmenting state powers due to the emergency and not revoking them afterwards, etc. Indeed, the system has still not recovered from the financial crisis of 2008 and the austerity opportunistically imposed by the right in its wake which stalled the recovery. As someone writing in The Guardian notes, quote, Just over ten years ago, the banking crisis was resolved with vast amounts of public cash. The public was repaid for its support by seeing its social contract with the state and with employers ripped up. We got lower pay, fewer rights, and the slashing of our public realm. That cannot happen again. This crisis has revealed the flaws in our political economic system. Insecure work, a cruel welfare system, businesses that expect the public to keep them afloat while doing little for the public good. Look in the mirror, Richard Branson. And a government that will only drop its laissez-faire laconicism when confronted with the prospect of hundreds of thousands of deaths. End quote. We cannot let the powers that be do the same this time. Given the balance of forces, we may not be able to make much of an impact, but we need to try where possible. It will undoubtedly help that the Tories have found the magic money tree. Well, it was their jobs on the line, rather than our living standards, so no surprise there. With mutual aid we can get over this, and listen to those with medical expertise, rather than politicians or the media, i.e. those with authority on the subject, rather than in authority. 
And that concludes the reading for this week. Uh, I picked that because I thought it was useful to have a very literal case study, an incredibly recent case study, and one that went into specifics, so that instead of a vague notion that authoritarian structures don't have our best interests at heart, this article did go in on some very specific ways in which an anarchist system would be beneficial, because an anarchist system would specifically strip out some of the power structures and hierarchies that are inhibiting recovery from the coronavirus. I feel like one of the clearest examples is the fact that under a capitalist system that we currently have, unemployment is a problem because it's undermining the economy because no one's spending money, etc, etc. In an anarchist system, not being able to do your usual work would just mean there's a huge number of people ready to provide crisis relief, there's lots of people who can do various kinds of work, Obviously, we need to limit exposure so we can't have people going door to door or something. But you'd have a lot of people to do track and trace work, a lot of the kind of remote bits of work people could be doing. Where if you had a society structured such that anyone can take on a job as long as it is useful, you no longer have the concern about the idea that, oh, well, I have this one job only and I can't do it right now, so I can do nothing and both I and society's structure are suffering for it. I also thought, overall, the article does a pretty good restating of the strengths of anarchy and how it would apply in the current context. However, one last thing I'll say about this article is that I feel like it yet again does tread out some optimism that it does not check. Despite decrying the optimism of claiming that crime or epidemics are a thing that just wouldn't happen in an anarchist system, there is a point in this week's reading where it's just suggested that people, knowing that the broader good is to self-isolate and be careful and prevent the spread to others, would naturally do the thing that is in the wider world's interest. But I don't think that's true. I don't think people even necessarily do things that are in their own interest. Speaking just for myself, I would never try to make the claim that I don't make any choices that are bad for me. And if you want to extrapolate that out further, we have plenty of examples of people who are staging anti-mask protests, or just refusing to comply with guidelines, and in cases it's a matter of not being educated properly, there are conspiracy theories that are floated for capitalistic interests, but it feels naive to assume that that's the only reason that happens? After a year of lockdown and the mental health toll it would take, I would not be surprised if people decided to start minimizing risks, rationalizing their actions, making these choices that are bad for them, bad for their friends and family, and bad for the community as a whole. I think the core argument that uh, it would be better than, say, the capitalist system right now that is failing us, I don't think that's a hard argument to agree with. I'm just skeptical of the times at which dismissal statements get made to claim that just a criticism doesn't apply or doesn't need to be addressed. I will link the anarchist FAQ that is referenced in this article in case you want to do some further reading there. But that's it for this week. You can find this and lots of other leftist podcasts at abnormalmapping.com. 
Our intro and outro music is Decisions by Eric Medias, and you can find it and more of his work on soundimage.org. And if you want to get in contact with the show, you can email leftistreading at gmail.com or get the Twitter at leftistreading. Thank you for listening, and keep reading.